Welcome to the Getting Divorced Without Losing Your Mind podcast with Corey Shapiro. Quote, things turn out best for the people who make the best of the way things turn out. We got that gem, thankfully, from one of the best basketball coaches ever, John Wooden. Let's say it again. Positive perspective. Things turn out best for the people who make the best of the way things turn out. It's not saying it's always going to be pretty. What it's saying is have gratitude. Take the positive perspective. In divorce news, not technically a divorce issue, but sometimes things that happen before a divorce. And I don't think it's necessarily going to happen in this marriage. They've been together for uh, over 26 years. But what I'm talking about is Dana White's incident or altercation with his wife on New Year's Eve. They're apparently at a club. I think it was in Mexico. Looks like they both were drinking heavily. She got upset about something. I don't know what for, but she was upset. She slaps him. And then it seems, you know, instinctively, it didn't seem like he was hurt that much, but more like surprised. Uh, he slaps her. And then he slaps her again. And then they seem to have made up. And now he's making the circuits. There's been all this press on this. And um, I mean, it's. I'll, I'll give you the show notes to see the, you know, the video in the show notes, and you can see how this went from zero to a hundred in an instant. Um, but this made me think about something when I was a child, and this rule I'm hearing about not slapping women that I want to update. Now, obviously, it's not appropriate to slap women, but that's not the full expression of the rule that I want to propose. The new rule I want to revise is you do not hit anyone. You don't hit anyone. It's not okay to hit men. It's not okay to hit women. It's not a hit a kid. It's not okay to hit anyone in any way they define themselves. So don't hit anyone. When I was a child, um, me and my sister used to fight. So my dad came over. My sister's four years older than me. And he said, listen, Corey, we don't hit girls. Okay, that's just a rule. So I said, fine, dad, I won't hit my sister. And then one day my sister hit me and like, just like Dana White, I hit her. My dad comes over to me and says, what are you doing? I told you you can't hit your, your sister. I said, she hit me, dad. Now she's, she's four years older than me. She's stronger than me. It didn't really matter. I thought that was unfair. I wish my dad said, and this is you know, almost four decades ago, to both of us, you don't hit each other. You don't hit your siblings. That's the rule. So my rule is you don't hit anyone. Now here's, here's I always, in difficult cases, we have to have very specific language so you don't hit anyone. And if they hit you, that does not give you the right to hit them back. You can protect yourself by blocking, you know, holding them, but you don't hit them. You don't hurt another person. That's my new rule. And uh, I don't see why that shouldn't be uh, proposed. So it's just not hitting women. It's just not hitting anyone. All right, question. Can it be required that a child has his or her own room or bed? Well, first of all, let's answer this. A child doesn't need to have their own room. You know, in expensive cities like New York City, a lot of families don't even have uh, more than a one-bedroom apartment. And they've become very creative in how they figure out their home. But with respect to having a bed, that's, I think that's a little bit uh, more interesting. 
So when I got this question, I actually went over to Child Protective Services. You know, you start at the baseline. If Child Protective Services is concerned that we have to do more than that. So this is what they say, or at least what I found out. Um, where they approve, this is from approval of foster family homes. So it says each child must have sleeping space of sufficient size for the safety, comfort, and privacy of the child. Each child must have a separate bread or crib of sufficient size and cleanliness for the comfort and well-being of the child with waterproof covering if needed and suitable bedding adequate to the season. Bunk beds may be used. So what I take from that is reasonable, adequate, appropriate. How do you determine that if you and your spouse or co-parent can't agree? Right? Because if you both agree, not an issue. Uh, And let's give a little uh, uh, facts here. So let's say, for example, uh, one parent, let's say these co-parents alternate. So let's say they alternate week on, week off, week on, week off. And when the child's with them, the child has, let's say it's a one-bedroom apartment, child has the bedroom, no problem at all. The adult sleeps in the living room, maybe on a, you know, a sofa couch, a Murphy bed, whatever they have. But the child has the bedroom in an appropriate bed. Um, so all's good. But the issue is on the off week where they don't have the child, the adult uses the bedroom And then that adult brings other people into that bedroom and has relationships with other people in a bed that the child sleeps in too. So basically the adult is sharing a bed with the child, which concerns one parent. It's not the same time, but there's just something seems, you know, icky about this. And one parent is oblivious to this. So let's talk about two ways we could resolve this. If we're dealing with the no court approach, that's the, collaborative approach. That's where we sign a participation agreement, you know, basically saying, we're not going to court. These attorneys we hire are going to try to work things out outside of court. They can't threaten court. And if, you know, we really can't resolve things, we need to get new attorneys, new attorneys. We got to start all over. So there's all these penalties to really force us to try to work things out in a therapeutic collaborative way. In that context, what you would do is you go to a child specialist who specializes in collaborative law. Parents tell their story, their side, and see what this child specialist says. See if it's appropriate. Or is it icky? You know, that, that to me, it sounds a little icky. See if the child specialist agrees. And if they do agree, and then the parent backs down, case over. If you're in a litigation context, or people are not following what the child specialist is saying, then... You know, obviously, the person who makes the decision is the judge, but the judge has, you know, subjective bias. So maybe you bring this up the inexpensive way at a court conference and you just, you know, bring up the issue. They say, what's the issue? So you say, judge, we have this issue. And if the judge, uh, the judge may give you their opinion. They might want more information. They might want, uh, you know, have a hearing, but they might informally tell you what they believe. And that can be very helpful if people follow that. People don't follow that and they need then the court has to issue an order. Maybe the judge will issue an order, or maybe the judge wants you guys to make a motion that costs money and time, or even a hearing on this issue. Right? 
in that case, you might want to get an expert, your own expert or a neutral expert. Maybe it's someone like a child specialist, but someone who's you know going to testify in court. Someone that's not confidential, they're going to testify in court. And then the judge may or may not uh, rely on them. Also, you can have what's called an attorney for the child. Uh, the attorney for the child can investigate these issues and see what the attorney for the child says, and maybe that could be helpful for the court. So to recap, you're dealing with an appropriate standard. You're looking at either a child specialist in a more collaborative way, or you have all these other options if you're in a, uh, a litigation context. All right, pause this perspective. You will get stronger in your divorce. You will get stronger. What I mean by that is you will get stronger in the way you think. You will get stronger in the way you deal with a difficult co-parent. In the beginning, it's overwhelming. You got such possibly toxic patterns. It's hard to get out of it. And I want to give a little analogy. I was reading this book and I heard this great teaching analogy and I want to share it with you. And basically, the question was, what's half of eight? What is half of eight? Now, in my mind, obviously the answer is four. Why are you even asking me this, teacher? I'm an A student. Can I leave? Well, not so fast. In the beginning, yeah, it is four. That's a correct answer, Corey. And maybe that's all I believe for a long time. It's four. You're not going to ever convince me any other ways. I just did it in my calculator. It's four. And that's how we get in our positions. We think our way is the highway. We think we're right. But after maybe a further inquiry, teacher's like, are you sure? Are you sure, Corey? I mean, you're right that it's four, but could it be something else? And it's like a puzzle. You know, I play that wordle game and I really have to think sometimes when the words are not a combination that I'm used to. And then, and then it just appears. And it could be after some time of looking at it, other people just pops in their mind. And when you're stressed, anxious, maybe depressed, maybe it's not going to come so fast to you. Then maybe I say, you know what, teacher, you're right. I see something. Okay, tell me what you see. Well, it could be zero. How do you get there? Well, you cut it horizontally, right? You got a zero and a zero. Cut it out. You got two zeros. Yeah. I'm getting stronger. I see something new. I see a different way. And if you're dealing with a position, that position could be, for example, if we're dealing with child support, you know, and we don't want to pay so much child support in like a basic monthly amount that's fixed. Maybe we're concerned about our cash flow, but maybe we will pay more of our share of an add-on expense. For example, if your children go to summer camp, a lot of states you share that pro rata to income. How about one parent paying all or more so they won't have to pay so much basic child support? I'm just trying to be creative here. Now, the other side might not agree with you, but you're getting stronger in how you're thinking. And then the teacher says, listen, Corey, before you leave class, is there another way to do it? And I was like, you're working my brain. I, I mean, I gave you two options. Can you think of something else? And then you're like, whoa, I see it. But what do you see? Well, you can split it vertically. It could be two threes. Yeah. So you have three ways of dividing eight, of making it half. It could be four. It could be zero. It could be three. And these are the options. This is being creative. This is not being uh, what we call 
you know, position polarization, where we get so fixed and we can't see anything else besides what we believe. So think of that when you're in your divorce and you got to be creative and you're dealing with a difficult spouse. That's the kind of thinking I want you to do. It's like working your brain. It's a puzzle. All right. Remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult with your attorney before acting on the information contained in this podcast. Until next time, be creative, not reactive. Mm-hmm.